0: So we are in a series uh, walking where Jesus walked. All those pictures were pictures that uh, some of us took. Somebody took on our trip, uh, recent trip to the Holy Land. You might have heard about it. We um, uh, had a good time. <clears throat> had a little bit of uh, a little bit of a disruption. I don't know what to make of it. Um, but uh, my uh, dad and my stepmom and my sister live uh, in Maine. And they spent two weeks this week on in lockdown because uh, that whole incident happened thirty minutes from where they live, and the next town over where they found found the attacker uh was fifteen minutes from their house uh, so um you all need to not hang around with me very much, I think as the the upshot or maybe or maybe. Uh, We should be reminded that we're never far from the realities of this world and that our faith calls us to a deeper connection to those things, not to flee from them, but to follow Jesus and walk where Jesus walked into the midst of that. And in some way, you were being called to do that. And you need to be reminded. You need this uh, grounding that we get when we pull ourselves together and hear God calling us up Uh, and uh, to the life of Christ, to be apprentices of Jesus, which we call disciples, but to walk where Jesus would have walked if He were walking in your shoes. And that's what this series is about. And today we're going to talk about that in the place where Jesus was baptized, and we've got a little bit of baptism going on. We're going to keep celebrating that uh, today together. And, uh, in fact, we had a baptism last Sunday, and I have uh, just wanted to kind of celebrate that with you, too. Briley Cox, who is the daughter of Chris and Ellen uh, uh, Lockhart, who are our worship leaders. uh, She's our worship leader at our traditional service. Their daughter, Briley, was baptized, and we had a big time celebrating her uh, and, um, and it was, it was a special day. And as she got up out of the tank, because this tank rolls, by the way, when we, uh, we used to have one in the front of the room, it was in the floor, it was permanent. And when we, um, renovated this room, we really didn't have the space for that we, to go with the design. And so Joel Christian, uh, being who Joel Christian is, uh, we call him MacGyver, uh, figured out a solution. And it was this thing uh, that is remarkable, and um, it also uh, goes into the sanctuary. So we were able to take it in the sanctuary uh, last Sunday and, uh, and have an immersion baptism in there. And um, when Briley got up out of the water, she, we pray for her, of course, as we do at every baptism for the Holy Spirit to come into her life in a special way. And then she's in, received by her parents with a towel and a, an embrace. And then they, they walk off to go change. And something happened. And fortunately, somebody was in the front, saw it, saw it had the presence of mind to grab their phone and take a picture. And it was this, her wet footprints coming out of the, the baptismal. Out of that moment, literally dripping with new life coming off of her. How symbolic of the thing that we're talking about, walking where Jesus walked, because that's what discipleship is. And we all need to be reminded of that. It is a call up to leadership. It's a call up to to show up for our own lives and to hear God's calling and to renew that again and again and again as life presents different challenges and transitions. This uh, next picture here captures that maybe even more fully and more symbolically, with the cross, the shadow of the cross. We did not plan this, y'all. We could not have uh, with the shadow of the cross in the background. This helps us understand baptism. It helps us understand the baptism of Jesus. It helps us understand our own baptism. It helps us understand the people, the place, the story that we find uh, as Jesus comes to offer himself up for this very thing. With uh, with the cross in the background, in the in in the 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 shadow, kind of in the back background of his own life. Jesus comes to baptism, not at the end, but at the beginning. And that cross, again, in the in the in the shadow and in the background, is a is a helpful reminder that even from the beginning, as Jesus comes to present himself to be baptized, uh, this is the the path that he will walk. And it is a critical moment in the life of Jesus, clarifying his relationship with God, his own identity, and his purpose. And that all begins here. In the baptism of Jesus, it's a joy-filled moment, but it's also an intense moment, as every baptism should be, because it keeps us in touch with those realities of life and the world as it is, and the calling of the people of Christ to take up their cross, And to follow. And every single time someone says yes to that, the world changes some. God's kingdom is made on earth as it is in heaven. And So as we hear the words of Scripture today, we listen for the living word of God, Jesus Christ. We listen for how these these words of Scripture bring the life of Christ open uh, and uh, real to us. In those days, this is Matthew 3, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John's clothes were, I'm going to make sure I get my trans- translation right. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And then skipping to verse 11, I baptize you, John said, with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is at hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his weed into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's pray together. God, we pray that we might be brought into this story today. Through the realities of the people and the place where Jesus entered the story through baptism. And maybe we find ourselves drawn into his belovedness, the grace that he makes available in this story. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a critical moment, a critical transition really in the life of Jesus. I mentioned a second ago that this happens not at the end of his ministry, but at the beginning. It is the transition point, the pivot point from his private life to his public life. And he travels from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized. Well, without a sense of ge- geography, that's one sentence in the scripture. You realize that there's a lot said there because Galilee's not super close. It's says two or three two and a half, maybe three hours by bus uh, from one spot to the other. So you can imagine Jesus coming by foot or on a donkey. It was going to take a while. So Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River very intentionally. And he did so uh, probably reflectively. You know, is, is that process... Happens, And it ha- it's the same for us. It, it's not just a moment. It is a moment that is preceded by a lot and his whole life at, at this point and his own thoughts and his own sense of who he is. It is a, a choosing, a walking into uh, over several days, literally walking into the story. And this is not too far from Jericho. Um, and in that region, in the Jordan uh, River Valley, it is there's more uh, there's more moisture, so it's green. And one of the things they grow there is um, date palms. And so they're just fields and fields of palm trees that, that make dates. And um, one of our folks on the trip learned that if you eat a date, I don't know if you need, have, it's sort of like eating an olive, you should take the pit out first. Uh, one of the things one of our folks learned was that it takes a lot longer to, to you know, Choke that thing down if you're gnawing on a great big old date pit. Um, But the other thing that we learned is that there are a lot of flies at this time of year. When the dates are ripe, there are flies around the Jordan River. So when we went to the Jordan, and I'll show you that in a second, um, there were flies everywhere. It was a very humid experience. It was our first full day in Israel. Very humid experience as we think about Jesus going down to the river. The Jordan River in Israel's history is symbolic. There's a lot that has happened here. Uh, It is a symbol of transition, as it is in Jesus' life. He's kind of walking into that and claiming that is a symbol of newness and possibility and healing. Uh, It is the spot where Moses looked on the other side of the river, uh, down toward the promised land, and then was not able to go in. But Joshua took the people and crossed the Jordan River into that promise after 40 years of wandering. Many years later, the prophet Elijah came across just before he left earth. He's taken up on a chariot of fire into heaven and passes the mantle of leadership to his apprentice, Elisha, who walks back across the river to assume that mantle of leadership. Key in each of those stories, in the story of Joshua and of Elijah and of Jesus, is the transition from one life to another. In these words, relationship, all done in relationship to God, identity, discovering who we are, And it took 40 years, by the way, for the people of Israel to discover that as they thought they were slaves and discovered that they were God's people. And then some sense of purpose, people blessed to be a blessing. Somewhere uh, through here, Naaman, the Syrian who had suffered leprosy, heard about a God who brings healing uh, from one of his servants who was from Israel. And so came to the prophet Elisha and asked what to do. And Elisha said, go into the Jordan River and wash yourself seven times and you will be healed. The Jordan River symbolizes healing and newness and possibility. It also symbolizes that transition that I've talked about a a few times. Uh, Rivers tend to not stay in the same place. Rivers are dynamic. They're flowing. They change over time. I've been in the Jordan River once, but my favorite river is the current river in Missouri. Anybody ever been there? Uh, it is uh, my favorite because it's a beautiful place. The water is very clear and there are trout there. That's mainly why I go. But um, having gone there since I was a child, the point is that that river has changed. And when you're walking in a river, you see it from year to year and then maybe even season to season. Uh, rivers are always, they're dynamic. They're always changing. There was a hole here that would hold fish, and now that's flat. And there was a tree here that, that wasn't here because it fell over in a storm. And that cha- it changes things. Rivers are a great symbol of life and transition because they're always, they're always changing. They're always dynamic. And the one thing that we can say about life itself, the one thing that never changes is that everything changes. And I think Jesus is claiming that. And and, and what we find in the baptism of Jesus is a grounding point for the transitions that are coming in his life, for his mission and for the challenges that will come. So our group went to this river a couple times. This first picture is when we, I showed it last week, uh, yeah, is when we crossed over the river to leave out of the promised land into the other promised land for us, uh, into the, the country Jordan. So on the right is Israel, and on the left is Jordan, the country. And um, on both sides, you can't really see it, but there's a fence uh, on both sides. So this is an international border, uh, and you... Um, they call the, the middle, actually where the river is, is sort of a no man's land. is not a place that people can just go uh, because of the geopolitical realities there. But it is an international border. And that was us uh, kind of crossing over into safety, uh, into Jordan. Uh, the next picture uh, is us on the first day. We were there, first full day, on October 4th. And uh, looking down from the visitor area onto the river, and you can see the palm trees and those things. See the dates up there? That's why there were flies and we we didn't know it. And um, uh, you can kind of see the dynamics there as people are walking down onto boardwalks to go. The next picture uh, shows another picture from the bank and you see on the other side, that's the country Jordan. And one of the things about it being a dynamic river is we actually don't think this is where the river was when Jesus was, I um, mean, it's the same river, but it has, as rivers do, has moved. And, uh, and we, we think it, um, partly because there are a lot of earthquakes in this, this region, uh, we think it was probably several hundreds of yards away that direction, so you see that church in Jordan, like so, toward so somewhere toward that direction where the river was at the time of Jesus. But it's the same river, uh, and um, you can kind of see what it probably would have looked like in that picture. I think the next picture uh, shows a group of people gathering where we will get uh, eventually gather to have a worship service, and you see the river there. You see kind of the dynamics of the people and uh, the place where you can actually get into the river and um, uh, there were people from all over the world, as there were in a lot of places, uh, doing that. Okay, the next picture shows the scripture that I just read. Uh, actually, this is the Mark's version, but um, the, the scripture of, um, of, of the thing that we just talked about, and you see up there at the top, it says English, as if we didn't know, but uh, it, it's in tile, but there are different versions, different languages. Uh, so uh, the next one. Uh, shows a mosaic there of the spirit descending like a dove uh, in the visitor area. And the area was under construction, so I'd be curious to see what it's going to look like here in a few years. And then you see in this next picture our group going down to the river and some of the um, kind of like, preparation we were making for a remembrance of our baptism there and then you'll see some pictures let's just kind of roll through these of that happening so you see pastor Laura here at the bottom and her mom and then my mom up in the, the darker blue and then Sharon getting ready to remember her baptism so we were able to go into the river but you see some buoys out there those were the boundaries you're not essentially don't go past that so I guess we could have gone and some some dude full immersion remembrances we did not we just dipped our hands or our feet but they don't want you to cross over because because that is an international boundary and you will cause an international incident if you, if you do that. So just kind of interesting. And then you keep, keep rolling through these. There's my daughter, Sarah Grace, uh, remembering her baptism. And then my mom helping Richard remember his you see people on the other side of the river doing the same. And then this view of uh, the, sort of the, the architecture there at the visitor area. You see the Jerusalem cross there, which is the large cross on the flag with the four small ones. And then in the back over here, you see a cross off in, off in the distance. It's a, a beautiful place. And this is uh, what Jesus did. He came into the water. He, it's sort of like a, 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 an example of his whole life. He came into a real place uh, and engaged in the realities of that place. Uh, and he came, comes here into a little river uh, to be baptized. I wonder if there were flies swarming around that day into the realities of this world. And one of the questions that comes up, even in the story, is this, why? John, in the story, John the Baptist, whose job it is to baptize, by the way, that's why they call him John the Baptist. It worked out pretty well for him that he got that name and did the, had the right job. Uh he even, he doesn't want to baptize Jesus. In fact, he says, why are you coming to me? I should be, you should be baptizing me, not the other way around. But Jesus says that it is right and it is fitting for him to do so. And that is the question of the text, of the story. Why is it the right thing for Jesus to do this? And I just want to reflect on that with you for just a moment. Why is it right that Jesus did this? And what does it tell us about the life of jesus about the place the people and what does it mean for us to walk with jesus knowing that jesus was baptized well i'm glad you asked the question because the first i think way to think about it is the symbolism of the moment jesus does this because it's symbolic and symbolism is important and in fact Entering into that symbolic act with our bodies, not just our minds, is helpful. We are a little bit too intellectual, a little bit too enlightened. We tend to think that if we sort it out all in our heads, it will all get sorted out, and then our bodies will come along in the process. But baptism and the baptism of Jesus and our own is just the opposite of that. We bring our bodies in first, and then our minds begin to understand a symbolic reality. And what, are, what is baptism symbol, uh, symbolic of? We've talked about several of those things. Healing, cleansing, new possibility, old life, new life. We enter into that, not just with our brains, but with our bodies, as our footsteps drip with new life into a different walk with Jesus. It is symbolic of new relationship, a renewed relationship with God new identity, understanding who we really are, and finding our purpose. All of which, if you think about it, are the, the very things that we struggle with the most. Our relationships, our identity, and our purpose. These are the things that baptism speaks to, and Jesus enacted them. He, he did this, and the argument was made that you really wouldn't have to, but Jesus did because he, he fully entered into those, real, those human realities. And so um, we, we call this a sacrament. It is one of two uh, in our church because Jesus did it. He instituted it in a way and called us uh, to do what he did. Jesus entering into those symbolic realities. Do you think it mattered that Jesus knew his relationship with God, his identity, and his purpose? Do you think it mattered that he had a point in, 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 of grounding in his life so that when he walked off into leadership and it got hard real quick, that he had this moment to fall back on? Jesus entered into those symbolic realities and helps us. It helps us to have physical ways of engaging a spiritual story. A second reason I think Jesus was baptized, why he chose to do this, and why baptism is important for us is because it is a communal act. We've seen it already today. This is not just about one individual. It is, it is in that. In, in fact, we saw it this morning. You, you couldn't take your eyes off that sweet baby because every single individual is important. But it is important also that we find ourselves as part of something bigger, This is what we call transcendence and is one of the key uh, factors in our thriving in life is whether we have a sense of where I fit as a part of something bigger than me. And baptism is that. In the baptism of Jesus, he entered into the story of Israel that has been taking place over millennia. And he, he enters the story of a people that God had called to be his special people to be those uh, blessed, to be a blessing. And in baptism, we do that too. It it is a way for us to enter into that thing that's bigger than us and and into the people that is more than just me. And so if you think of baptism as an individual salvation thing, and just that, you miss the point. It's certainly not what Jesus is doing in his own baptism, but he's bringing himself as an individual into the fuller reality of his life. And accepting that and claiming it and walking into it. Jesus knew that his life and ministry were, were, uh, were and must be deeply embedded in God's story of salvation. And that's why we say in our baptismal liturgy that when we are baptized, uh, we are initiated into Christ's holy church and incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation in Christ. It's important for us to see our lives in that context, in that fuller picture, because we'll go through, otherwise we'll go through life like this, right? With the blinders on, seeing only our small perspective. Baptism opens it wide, just breaks it wide open, and helps us see the fuller thing. Uh, the United Methodist Church has a helpful and in depth teaching on uh, communion and baptism, actually. And um, the one on baptism is called By Water and the Spirit. And if you want to read like our rich ba- uh, baptismal theology, you can go there, you can Google that by Water and the Spirit, United Methodist Church, and you'll find the PDF file and you can and look at that. And it says a lot of things. It's an attempt for us to really draw on a, a rich tradition of baptism. One of the things it talks about is that we do uh, infant baptism and adult baptism. We do both. And we do that understanding that the initiation of baptism is actually God's either way. God's claim on us is first. And then the order in that uh, after that is uh, perhaps not nearly as important as we think. In fact, infant baptism claims that God chooses us before we choose him back. And then parents cl- uh, promise to, to hold a space for that child to do the thing that will shape them the most, which is to raise them to know Christ and to, to, to be part of the community of faith to do the most formative, spiritually, uh, the most spiritually formative thing that they could do for that child until that day when he or she, she or he would make that claim back. When, uh, when we take out the space and when someone goes through, through life and then chooses to be baptized, uh, it is still claiming the thing that God has done for them and, and then a way to enter into that. And so we're actually doing both of those today. We're going to have a, a, a baptism here after the ser- uh, sermon, which is, is that example. And we also claim that a lot is happening in baptism. It's, it's a mystery. What we say about mystery is not that it can't be known, but that it is infinitely knowable. So uh, by Water and the Spirit, that document is a chance to just lay out a whole bunch of stuff. And some somebody will want to do the deep dive on that. This is one of the things that it says among many. The New Testament records that Jesus was baptized by John. Well, we just read that, right? And he commanded his disciples to teach and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you hear that Trinitarian formula, which is central to baptism, and central to the baptism of Jesus and also our life, Uh, what you hear is the fullness of life that is Father, Son, and Spirit now made available to us. It is not just one mode or one part of the Trinity. It is their relatedness, the, the thriving and fullness of life and the depth of love that we find in the Trinity that we are now brought into. We are brought into that reality in baptism. Baptism is grounded, it says, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the grace which baptism makes available is that of the atonement of Christ. This is a thing God has done through Christ. And it is poss- makes possible our reconciliation with God. Baptism involves dying to sin, newness of life, union with Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and incorporation into Christ's church. And all of that for Jesus was at the start of his ministry. And I keep bringing that point up because it is the grounding point for everything else That will follow. And so there's a final reason why Jesus was baptized. And I think this is the most important of all. In the baptism of Jesus, he was doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And we say that, actually, we say that quite a bit when we talk about the cross of Jesus, right? But remember, in his baptism, the cross is looming in the shadow in the the background, and those steps lead to the cross. Those same dynamics are at play here, not just at the end of the story, but at the beginning. And that's important because of this. It reminds us that every single thing Jesus does saves us. That the life of Jesus was a saving life, just as his death is a saving death. As Jesus enters into this life and chooses to walk the path of humanity, of leadership that would lead to the cross. I think Jesus' baptism was a constant reminder that sustained him in his mission. And any of us who has a mission or any of us who walks into our leadership or our purpose knows that we need that grounding, that there are going to be challenges, that it is a harder life, that we choose the harder way, which is the way of love. But Jesus does all of this from the place of his connection to to God, from the place of that Trinitarian fullness, from the place of his belovedness. And here's what I would wager. that You and I struggle to do that. We've already said it. The things that we struggle with the most are our relationship to God, our relationship to other people, our relationship to ourselves, which baptism speaks to. We struggle with our identity, and much of our lives is driven by a false sense of self not knowing who we are and then how to live out of that and then we struggle with our purpose because of those things we don't know why we're here and we live for things that are less than the fullness that God would have for us left on our own we have a broken relationship we have a false sense of self and we live for our own purpose but Jesus in every moment of his life does for us what we could not do for ourselves and then he brings us into that new reality In every moment, he makes possible a new relationship with God, a new identity and a new purpose. So what happens when Jesus is baptized? He comes up out of the water and it's as if God cannot contain himself as the heavens literally burst open and the spirit of God descends like a dove and then there's a voice that says, what? This is my son. It's a, it's a relationship thing. This is my son, the beloved one so that we understand his identity and that Jesus hears it so clearly. And in him, I am well pleased. It bolsters Jesus for his purpose in life. And in his baptism, Jesus does what we couldn't do for ourselves. He brings us into all of that. That that's the gift of grace in baptism. That Jesus brings us into his relationship with God. It is now our relationship with God. And it is as if the heavens burst forth now for you. And God says, that is my daughter, my beloved one. That is my son, the beloved And this is why baptism isn't just a symbol. It is also a spiritual reality. John the Baptist got it right. He said, after me comes one who will baptize you not just with water, but what? With the spirit. This is a spiritual reality now that is ours because of Jesus. Isn't it remarkable that this is what God is doing for us in Christ all along? This is a spiritual reality that we claim in Christ And so what would it look like for you to live and lead from that place of spiritual belovedness with a clarified sense of relationship, identity, and purpose? What would change, perhaps, if that were your starting point like it was Jesus's starting point? And what would it look like for you to navigate the river of life, the transitions that are always coming? The one constant is that nothing stays the same. But able to do all of those transitions in life, and they come, but from that place of groundedness, from that place that Jesus has now made possible for us. The good news is that that is available to us. And we just need to be reminded of it. We need to walk into it. We need to claim it. And so let me close with this. Um, one, of our, uh, one of our most um, faithful and connected people in our church is Jonah Bemis. And Jonah is over here, everybody wave at Jonah, he's waving back. I talked to Jonah's mom, Allison, uh, uh, about sharing this story. Uh, And uh, they were were thrilled uh, for me to share because Jonah has uh, transformed uh, for me, and I think for many, um, has deepened my understanding of the communion time that we have together. And uh, Jonah uh, engages the world through uh, the lenses of cerebral palsy and epilepsy and autism. And, uh, and for some of us, we need more sensory things and sensory things become really important. Uh, but truthfully, it's, the, the, it's that for all of us, as we see in baptism, we see in communion with the bread and the cup. It's as if God knew we needed these things. And so uh, Jonah has made communion an even more special time for me uh, as he comes up and mom helps him hold his hands as he receives the bread and then dips it into the cup and then receives it. And then sometimes we will have people anointing with oil, which is a claim of that Trinitarian formula. It's not baptism, but it's a claim of that same formula, that same reality uh, that we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, the last series we, we, we proclaimed over you as you came up, may you know the fullness of life that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, after all of that, I was over here kind of doing bread and cup stuff and uh, Jonah was walking toward me and I didn't know what he wanted and he just did this. Stuck out his hand for a a bump. But then a few weeks ago, um, maybe a week ago, I saw a little video on the internet, maybe some of you saw. Uh, Jonah was in the stands uh, at at school at a ball game or something and uh, my mom said, Allison said, he was playing in the water and she almost had him stop and then she realized what he was doing which was dipping his finger in the water and then making the sign of the cross on his forehead and saying, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. What do you think, Jonah? What do you think you're teaching the rest of us, buddy? That we need, you don't have to answer, but I'm sure you got a good one. But, Jonah, it is a reminder to all of us that we all need that reminder, that we all need that claim. Jonah knows that we all need to claim this and be reminded of our belovedness to navigate the river of life. And so may you be reminded today, may God claim you, because he surely has, as his beloved son or daughter. And may you be brought into the fullness of life, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as you face whatever leadership challenge is ahead, as you face whatever transition you're in as you say yes to walking where Jesus walked in your life and whatever that means, may those footsteps drip with the new life that he offers. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would meet us here in these moments and that as we um, offer ourselves in various ways that you would give us, clear reminders of your goodness may we find ourselves in a renewed relationship identity and purpose that is simply the sheer gift of your grace and we pray it in jesus name amen